Hey guys, and welcome to the Movement Docs Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Mike. And we're just two guys who want to help students and clinicians grow in the field of rehab. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 14 of the Movement Docs Podcast titled, So You Want to Get Your OCS, with Drs. Justin Bittner and Nick Hoover. Justin is a native of Frostburg, Maryland. He attended Frostburg State University, where he obtained his bachelor's degree in 2012, majoring in biology with a chemistry minor. After graduating from FSU, Justin attended Shenandoah University, graduating in 2016 with his doctorate in physical therapy. Following graduation, Justin continued his education and completed an orthopedic residency program through UVA Health South. Justin continued to work in an outpatient orthopedic clinic in Winchester, Virginia, before returning to Allegheny County, Maryland, to join the outpatient team at Western Maryland Health System. Justin is a member of the American Physical Therapy Association, Orthopedic and Spork Sessions, as well as the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy. My goodness. Justin has presented research at the APTA's combined sections meeting and an AAOMPT national conferences. Justin's professional interests include orthopedic conditions, manual therapy, and treatment of the TMJ. Dr. Nick Hoover is a native of America. (laughs) He has lived in five different states and moved eight times before ending up in Winchester at Shenandoah University. He graduated in 2010 with a BS in kinesiology and a focus in exercise science. Then he graduated again also in 2016 (laughs) with a doctorate in physical therapy, also from Shenandoah University. I'm completely butchering your bio, Nick. I'm sorry. He completed his orthopedic (laughs) residency through Vompte at ProPT in Winchester. He is currently transitioning to North or South Carolina with his wife and two dogs. He's a member of the APTA, Virginia Chapter and Orthopedic Session. He's very passionate about physical fitness and has a few, and has future aspirations of combining the preventative maintenance and rehabilitation scope of PT with the fitness population to connect people with physical therapy as a foundation of health and wellness rather than just an insurance requirement before getting an MRI. Ooh, I like that last sentence. Uh, doctors Nick Hoover and Justin Bittner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Super excited. Yeah, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, it's going to another installation of our uh, So You Want to Be series where we talked about different uh, specialties, including orthopedics, sports, and so on and so forth. And so we're, we're very happy to have you guys on the show for today. Justin, you just have to promise to keep your witty remarks to a minimum because I will laugh hysterically for multiple well, minutes just, on that. Just don't open the window, okay? I'm just speechless. You just hit me in like the jejunum and I can't, <laughs> just can't function anymore. <laughs> oh, man. It's a All physical right. possibility for me to throw <laughs> I've never puked before. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> don't know. You ever been hitting in Juno? Uh, speaking of obscure pop culture references, um, <laughs> one of my so just you know for the for giggles, um, I was fortunate enough to be an intern at the clinic that um, both of you guys were at last summer, and one of my favorite memories was in the middle of summer. Uh, having the two of you quote word for word most of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York back to me 
Um, <laughs> when somehow the sticky bandits got referenced, <laughs> there was just a lot of like, well, Marv, and like, I don't even know what the other quotes were from the movie, but uh, S T uh, I. <laughs> Oh man, because the Wet Bandits were so 1994. Hmm. Um, I was only like seven when those guys were around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so uh, I think we're already what like five minutes in the podcast. We should probably ask a legitimate question so that we sound somewhat professional. Um, So uh, (laughs) we'll we'll start with uh, Justin. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into PT? And yeah, then so, once once you give a really nice question, we'll we'll ask Nick the same thing, um, so that he can one up you. Okay, so uh, a little bit about me. Um, I'm recently married. I got married in June. Uh, cur- currently in the process of uh, purchasing land and building a house, which is extremely exciting. Um, yeah, I enjoy sports. Currently, you know, Maryland basketball is uh, a big thing right now, and. Uh, I enjoy photography and hiking and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, why I got into PT, uh, I know I want to do something in the healthcare uh, field. I didn't know what. I spent a lot of time uh, shadowing different places, pharmacy, uh, different physicians. Um, I, I like the fact that when I was with physical therapy, Generally speaking, they spent a significantly uh, larger amount of time with their patients and kind of got to know them on more of a personal level. And they got to kind of see their patients progress through the entire process of recovery. Um, And I I like that part of physical therapy as opposed to other health professions. And that's why I got into physical therapy. Nick, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and then like why you got into PT. Uh, well, I got I got married in May uh, before Justin. Just to, you know, <laughs> just to <laughs> <what I'm laughs> I am older. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, I think for for me, PT was it was it was a similar path um, in in that you get to see the end result, and that was actually the the very first essay that I ever wrote, even trying to get into PT school on my PT cast. You know, I talked about, um, you know, some of the observation hours and stuff that I had done where I got to, you know, help a lady who came in, you know, barely able to walk, was using a cane and, you know, had trouble getting up the stairs to her apartment. And then uh, by the end of her care, um, she was, you know, riding her bike around the parking lot and, and able to you know, do anything that she really wanted to do. And, um, you know, for, for me, it was, that was the most satisfying thing to be able to help people, like Justin said, kind of spend more time with them, but, but really to be there for the end result, um, you know, to see that look on their face, to, to be able to, you know, to, to help them get there, to actually reach their goal, not just be kind of a stepping stone in the process. And I think that, that just, you get a certain kind of satisfaction, a certain kind of feeling out of being able to help somebody get there. And uh, that's what drew me to, to physical therapy. 
Oh, that's awesome. But I love I love both of your perspectives. And uh, we always like to ask this question uh, for everybody that's on the show that's pursuing physical therapy, because uh, we just like to hear, you know, like why uh, you get motivated to, to work in that regard. So it is really cool that you get the opportunities to, to, to you know, work with people one on one and have like a lot of quality time with them. And I love what you just said about having the opportunities to kind of see the end result. You know, you get to get somebody who is having issues you know, walking in with a cane and then they're riding a bike afterwards. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's the Korean rice wine and the fact that it's like, you know, there's no heat in my house, but that gave me the, that gave me the chills a little bit there, Nick. Um, I, I like that answer. We're all about the warm and fuzzies on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that, I, I mean, I know that you're a hugger. Um, so that's right. I'm a hugger too. And we, you know, we He's also fuzzy. <laughs> we yeah i'm hugging my computer right now just to pass that along <laughs> i can i can almost feel it oh yes <laughs> it should help you on those frigid florida days oh my gosh i can't believe how cold <laughs> it is right now <laughs> you'd think that florida would be warmer than this but when there's icicles hanging off your car i don't know i think i think everything's freezing over are you sure you're not still in Virginia? You know, I might be. I drove for a while. I might have just drove in a circle, like for 16 hours, and then ended up in the same place. I think that might have happened. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it, how weird would it be if you were driving and you saw a sign that said, Welcome to Hawaii? I would be so confused. <laughs> I just probably, like. I'd probably start questioning a lot of things about my life. No, seriously. <laughs> That's just like those are the questions that pop in my mind a lot of times, especially when I'm working with patients. Um, wait, did I? Whoops. Uh, a lot of times, though, I'll ask the patients I'm working with like what their thoughts on on that like existential question that I've been pondering. Um, I think it leads to a good therapeutic alliance and helps us to kind of get to know each other a little bit better. Yeah, break the ice a little bit. This this is a guy who completed two graduate programs at one time. That's. It's impressive that you're even able to have thoughts like that. That's the stuff he thinks about, yeah. <laughs> that was the same stuff that I think about during class. You can ask Mike. I usually texted him those questions. He did. That is true. Usually, like, very philosophical conversations, like, juxtaposed with cats with lasers. So it's interesting combo. <laughs> that or the website where the pug just licks the screen. Uh, I love that. That's, like, my brain. Oh, while listening to Turner talk about smoking? Yes. That's like my brain on PT school. <laughs> so, 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 Justin, uh, tell us, tell us a little bit. What, what is it an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Yeah, I mean, Maryland I don't basketball. I saw that here. I don't, I don't know. I got some, I got some weird things, but I don't know. <laughs> Nick, Nick could probably tell you a thing or two about me. <laughs> All right, Nick, tell us an unusual habit or an absurd <laughs> thing about Justin. <laughs> Um, he's, he's cheap. I'll put it that way. Okay. I, I am that. Yes. He always, he always, he always booked our hotels during our uh, residency con ed courses. And, uh, there were a couple times that we both feared for our lives and, and our, you know, health. I think, uh, I think we got bed bugs on more than one occasion. Huh. Yeah, I, looking back, you know, a hotel is one of those things that, you might not want to be cheap on $35 is, is just a little low on the, the price range for a hotel might end up in a super eight with blood on the walls. Just so. wait, wait, was, that, it, was it 35 for the room or you guys 
each paid thirty five. No, it was thirty five for the room. It was for the room. <laughs> it was super. Super eight. Super eight. Are you sure all the letters on the neon sign were working? No, they were not. <laughs> Actually, no. It was just the the Uber Eight Motel. <laughs> it might have just been the Per Eight Hotel. I'm not. That's why they can keep the room costs down so low. They're not spending that much on electric on the electric bill, uh, or the oh. cleaning services. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, Justin, can you tell us a, an unusual or or absurd thing that Nick loves or does? He, like, he likes to snuggle in the Super Eight Hotel. <laughs> what about safety? All right. <laughs> well, did, does he when he did that? Did he do it under the guise of I just want to practice some like manual therapy or work on my like T spine mobs? Yeah, it was mainly just deep pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh. I don't even have a, I don't even have a defense for this. <laughs> It's just, I mean, it just feels good. It's it's good for your nervous yeah. system, you know? I'm just I'm practicing actually, uh, in residency. <laughs> Nick is actually quite good at basketball, even though he's short. Uh, that's one thing. That he, he, that's an unusual <laughs> thing about him. No. Thank you. Yeah, man. I don't even know what to say right now. I don't know either. Um <laughs> Okay, well, here I got, I got one. <laughs> so, so Nick, why don't you, uh, you, you guys both went to Shenandoah University for, uh, for physical therapy to get your DPT there. So can you, can you speak to the program uh, for anybody that might be interested in applying to SU and what opportunities did you have while you were there? Uh, I think the, the biggest thing for me um, in that, well, on a for real, for real note, uh, Shenandoah was the only school that accepted me, so that's a big part of the reason why I was there. Um, but you know, a little little unknown track. Um, I I applied to PT school for three years before I finally got accepted, and uh, over the course of those three years, I probably applied to somewhere in the vicinity of like twenty five to thirty schools uh, up and down the uh, East Coast, and uh, even as even as far back into Kentucky. Um, uh, but the, the thing that stood out about Shenandoah to me was when I contacted those schools after I did not get accepted, um, at Shenandoah, I got connected to Karen Abraham, who was the director of the program. Uh, I got connected to Todd Kalimico, who was the assistant director of the program at the time. I got connected to Dr. Turner, who was the director of uh, kind of the, the well, not, I guess not director, but he was in charge of like the whole admissions process, the interviews, the the tours and things like that at, for the grad school. Um, those are the people that I got to talk to and I got to come into the school and actually have a sit down chat with them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other schools that you know I reached out to about, hey, what can I do to make my application better for next year? Or what can I do to, uh, to try to basically impress you guys more? Um, they would put me in touch with the secretary or uh, they'd send me this general email about, um, hey, here are the things that we look for. And uh, I, there was, I think, one school in Florida that I actually got to speak to somebody. Mm-hmm. Other than that, um, 
the schools just gave me kind of the run around about like, yeah, just try again next year on PT cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me, it just kind of proved a point of how much, you know, Shenandoah cares about their, uh, about their students. And, and, you know, I was lucky enough to experience that in undergrad as well. Uh, but that just kind of solidified my decision that I wanted to stay here. Mm-hmm. And then, um, when, when I, and another aspect about that is that Shendo is one of the only remaining PT schools that still does interviews. Mm. And, uh, to me, what that says is that they actually care about the students. Um, you know, in this day and age where everything's about numbers and about the, you know, getting the best people and about having the, you know, the most state funding, um, you know, Shenandoah has, has decided that they want, uh, you know, to, they want to groom PTs that are actually going to be good at physical therapy and not just make their numbers look good so that they can get more funding. Okay. Uh, and I think that, that to me stands out the most. And then you really, really get a sense of that when you actually become part of the Shenandoah family. Um, cause I mean, I, and you guys can speak to this also as SU grads. I mean, there's, there's no place that I've ever been where the professors will come to you if they sense you're having a problem. Usually you have to go to them and try to, you know, be proactive about it, but you know, they're pulling you into the office the second that you have a bad day or a bad grade or, or, you know, struggle on an assignment, just saying, Hey, let me make this more clear for you, or let me help you out with this. And it's just, there's no place, no place I've ever experienced that's like that. Yeah. Maybe you just said, you said a lot of things and I know we're, we're kind of biased and, and very pro Shenandoah university, but, but you, you know, we echo a lot of the things that you say too, you know, like when I was first applying to that program and, and looking at different programs for PT school, I, I was blown away by the amount of investment that the, the faculty had in, in, this, in their students and prospective students as well. Um, it was a conversation that was easily accessible. If I had questions about the application process, how to become better, like you had said, uh, or more competitive in that regard, and, and what you could do to, to you know, work your way into that program. Um, and so, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's, it's a family. And I like what you said about that, being an SU family, because that's, that's exactly how they treat you as soon as you know. You know, as you start the application process, they're they're ready to 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 welcome you in and say, all right, this is what kind of like what you need to do. Um, you either did it, or here's how you can improve, and and we'll move on from there. We're here to help you. And that and that just, I mean, they, they spent literally hours with me on the years that I did not get accepted. I, I spent hours in Dr. Abraham and Dr. Turner's offices, and you know, you, you think about that on you know in in a kind of bigger picture, like if they spent literally hours, you know, several hours with me as a person who was not even in their program, you know, what does that say for what they do for the people that are, that are in their program? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just, it's just, uh, there's, there's no other place that I've experienced. that's like that. Yeah. I, I know for me, um, doing the dual program in a way that was very non-traditional, um, they took something that was, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, um, it took something that was essentially impossible to do on paper, and um, it was still nearly impossible when I did it. But they they made it work, and they you know they were able to let me graduate and complete the programs. Um, and so I'm super grateful for that. I mean, they're never going to let anybody do it that way again, and they're going to kind of cover it up from uh, Katie and Capti, I'm sure. But uh, I I'm very grateful that they were you know willing to. <laughs> willing to let me do that and, and actually support me quite a bit throughout the way um, and ensure that I was able to, to do what I wanted to do with grad school. Um, and I don't know that there's another place that would have done that. 
I feel like had I gone to a different university, they would have said, well, too bad you're in PT. You can't do the AT program. You missed the, right. you missed the boat for that one. You wait um, till you graduate and then you can come back and do it. Yeah, but they were like, all right, well, we'll make it work. And the rest is history. Yeah, which is awesome. Justin, can you speak to your experiences about uh, Shenandoah's university program and what opportunities you had to grow while there? So, I mean, just to piggyback off what you guys have been saying, um, I mean, so I interviewed several places, I uh, was accepted several places, and um, Shenandoah was just, uh, when I was there, it just felt like home. Um, other places, you know, the faculty at Shenandoah is first class, and they made me feel like I was just already part of the program before I even was. Um, I could have went other places cheaper. Um, but I, I, when I was there, it just felt like that's where I needed to be, um, just because of the homey atmosphere. You know, they have a very small student-to-teacher to ratio, which was also um, very good. Um, but while we're talking about SU, one of the things, one of my, probably my, my largest regret while in PT school, I didn't take advantage of the um, any of the outreach programs, particularly Thrive. Um, to treat underserved people in different countries. Um, I know Nick took advantage of that, and that's probably one of the, my biggest regrets uh, while I was in PT school is, is not taking advantage of that program that SU has to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's, there's yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I looked at it a couple different ways. One was I, I, f- I figured if, uh, you know, if I did bad in school, but I participated in every single thing that I did, would they would they think twice about kicking me out of the program? That was. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I think it was, you know, having um, having the opportunity to be rejected from PT school three times. I got to you know, do a little bit more research and see what else was out there, and um, you know, be able to see those kind of programs and what they really meant. Um, I think that was. Uh, I think that was cool to uh, to be able to participate in uh, in some of those extra programs and, and get to do thrive, get to do you know adaptive aquatics and and uh, you know helped with fundraising with like the green circle stuff and and that, I think that was uh, the biggest motivation there was there's this opportunity to do these things let's go do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would encourage any anyone that that listens to this that's a student and is given an opportunity to. To go on some sort of outreach um, to to treat some underserved people, uh, don't pass it up. Uh, my my stupid answer was it was a couple hundred dollars because uh, as we mentioned I'm cheap, uh, but that's a pretty stupid excuse. Uh, and um, yeah, if you're given the opportunity like that, uh, absolutely take advantage of it. Yeah, Shenandoah is you know we're very lucky that Shenandoah offers different opportunities like that. So, so Thrive is a, is a student-run organization that was started by one of the SU's alumni, um, or a few anyway. And so that's, you know, one opportunity and way that you could uh, participate in that regard. But there's also uh, different trips called GCP and GEL, 
So GCP is the Global Citizenships Project, and, and GEL is the Global Experiential Learning Project. Or no, no project, Global Experiential Learning. That's what it is. Um, and so both opportunities uh, allow you to, to travel to different areas of the country and, and do good. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an under, understanding that there, there's more to uh, physical therapy or any health professions or, or any other academics, that there's also just like a, an aspect of, of humanity and, and being a global citizen. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and Mike, you got to go to uh, to Haiti or the DR for for your gel trip. Yeah, yeah. So I went to to Haiti um, for one of my part time clinical. It subbed as one of my part time clinical rotations, um, and so I got to go to Port-au-Prince in Haiti and and spend about eight to ten days there um, with opportunities to to find ways that we could contribute and try to make a sustainable impact while there. And then I've also had opportunities to travel to Guatemala uh, through Thrive. Um, to, to foster a, a relationship there and find sustainable ways that we can help make a positive impact. So it's uh, awesome. But yeah, Shenandoah yeah, has been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did the GCP thing, but it wasn't really like a service trip-based experience. It was more just like learning about the world and different people. Mm-hmm. And um, But I'd never traveled outside the country, so I got to go to Cambodia for a week. Um, all expenses paid, and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend getting someone to pay for your travel abroad, <laughs> especially especially you, Justin. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> but just so you know, most uh, you know because of the the exchange rate, most of the hotels in Cambodia are probably about twenty to thirty five dollars a night. Right about price range, man. <laughs> But you get a lot more for what you pay there than you do in the U.S. A lot less blood on the walls. <laughs> but I would still not drink the tap water. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not, not safe to drink. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's get into the, the meat and potatoes of this conversation. So this, this whole podcast is about residencies and particularly orthopedic residencies. So, so uh, what are they? Why do you do them? What are your thoughts about residency programs in general? So let's, let's go with Justin first. Uh, so residency programs are a, uh, a way to continue your education uh, and specialize in a certain field after you graduate from uh, a PT program, uh, you know, whether that be acute care or orthopedics or sports or whatever you want to look into, uh, it's a way to continue your education um, in that field specifically. Um, my, my, my take is that everyone should go through some sort of residency program uh, after graduation. I think it helps develop clinical uh, skills and judgment um, for that specific setting, um, I think it helps to elevate the profession and hold the therapist the therapist to a uh, to a higher standard, and uh, it improves. I think it improves how we are viewed in the medical profession as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my take on residencies and why people should do them. Agreed. Right on. <laughs> okay, that works. I was going to ask you, Nick, too, what your thoughts were. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. Uh, now I think it's uh, you know I think it's a not just not just a way for 
you know, you to get better as, as your individual self, but like Justin said, a way to elevate the profession Mm -hmm. and, you know, ultimately, um, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do here is, is to, you know, increase the credibility of, of what physical therapy has to offer. And obviously we're not the first to do that. There have been, you know, many miles traveled before us, uh, in terms of, you know, the progress in our field to even be, to even be able to have the opportunity to do a residency, um, you know, cause that's something that wasn't always available, but, uh, you know, I think for, for me, it was, you know, we, we went through all this, all this, you know, stuff. You had to get good grades through high school. You had to get good grades through college to even get into a grad school um, or wait three years to get in. And if you're some people, and then, uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, what this is, this is not a field where you can just graduate and you know, all you need to know and you just go work. And, you know, that's all you do for the rest of your life is you work. And I think it was, you know, it's an opportunity to learn from people who have been doing it a lot longer than we have and, uh, and to surround yourself with other people who want to better themselves and, and better their profession. And, uh, that's what, that's what drew me to it was, you know, I I knew coming out of, you think, Oh man, I'm coming out with a doctorate. I should be the super smart guy, but you realize that you're only considered entry level. And then uh, after you do a couple of clinic rotations, you kind of realize why that is. Um, so it was, you know, let's go do residency and, and, you know, establish a little bit more presence within the profession and, and figure out a way that I can, that I can help make this, make this profession better and, and, and help, you know, increase the credibility in the American medical mm-hmm. system. And, and I, I said that I think everyone should do a residency and I, I believe that, but um, I also think that it's, that it needs to be someone who wants to become better and wants to better the profession. You know, someone who is dedicated to the profession and is not looking for just a eight to four thirty job and they turn their PT brain off. I, I, if you, if you're looking for that, I don't, I don't think a residency for you is for you, but I like to think that all PTs don't do that. So you, now what would you guys say to like someone that's on a fence about like, Maybe they want to do a residency, but they're not sure if they should like wait a year after school or go directly into it. I think I think that depends on that depends on the person and and, and your experience, but I think it really depends on who your mentors have been and if you speak to them. Um, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to finish my um, clinic rotations in the outpatient setting in the orthopedic setting, which is what I wanted to do for my career. And luckily, you know, being at Shenandoah provided a great, um, a great exposure to what residency education should be. And, uh, and that's ultimately how I ended up at the Vompi residency was, you know, making those connections. Um, but I think the, uh, you know, if, if you're on the, on the fence about it, it's, you know, it's, you just have to do a little bit of investigating, find a mentor that can that can give you uh, an answer. Uh, and to be perfectly honest with you, put it straight out there, my last clinic rotation, uh, my CI was a residency instructor um, through the Evidence in Motion residency. And also the he was a fellowship instructor for them as well. And he told me straight up, he said, I wouldn't take you. You know, you're only, you're fresh out of PT school and you haven't even had a chance to really, you know, build your experience yet. And, and, uh, you know, he, that was, that was his personal philosophy that you need to have some, to build some experience that way they have kind of a foundation to make it better from. Mm-hmm. 
But then there are other people that look at it from, you know, if you're, you're fresh, if you're a new grad, you haven't developed any real bad habits yet. So you're able to kind of, you know, break the mold from, uh, you know, from that, you know, pretty fresh canvas and, and push forward that way. But, you know, I think it's, um, it has to be a decision that's made individually and talk to, uh, talk to your mentors, talk to the people that are around you, talk to people that have done it. If you need to get in touch with one of us, I'm sure we can make that available mm-hmm. to you. So, so I guess it is an individual basis then. So what you, what I'm getting from you guys is that, um, you know, some people may benefit from going right out of school and depending on like, you know, what advice you get and, and what's you feel is best for you. You know, do you feel like it'd be better to have a, a base of experience first and then go into a residency and kind of like, you know, dive off of that from there, from your base, or, or would it be better to kind of, like you said, break the mold and kind of go, you know, when you're fresh out of school. Um, so I guess that's, it's from what I'm getting, it's more of a kind of an individual basis. Would you say? Yeah, I think personally I was, I, I did not have, uh, a lot of confidence in myself and the way I, I saw to better myself, to improve my confidence in my treating ability mm-hmm. was to have exposure to a higher level of learning and have exposure to a mentor who could, you know, that I was going to work with every single week for an entire year. And that, so it was kind of, you know, searching within myself and, you know, being okay with the fact that I wasn't confident and, and let's, let's find a way to build that confidence rather than, you know, trying to shy away Mm -hmm. from it. I think it was, it was great, you know, coming straight out of school and going into residency um, to have someone to challenge your thoughts as to why you're doing this or why you're doing that. Whereas normal, you know, fresh out of school, you would have just done things and not even necessarily thought as to why you're doing it. Um, it was always nice to have someone challenge you and think, well, maybe this is better if you did it this way versus that way and help you through that thought process to really build a strong foundation for what the rest of your career mm-hmm. is going to be like. So, so would you guys say that, you know, like doing a residency, regardless of like where you specialize helps you helps improve your ability to think critically or approach a situation? hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No question. So, about it. so it's almost like you you gain you will gain skills and you'll get better at like your manual skills. But from what I'm getting from you guys, it's almost like it it kind of helps your ability to maybe either like pattern rec- like recognize patterns or or your ability to like think critically in, in certain situations. So, it, it's yeah. the it's the exposure. It's like Justin said, you know, having someone there to kind of challenge your thoughts and ideas about why you do something, but. You know, then you're exposed to more literature and, and you know more con ed classes and having all these things around you that just say hey you know don't get stuck in your ways you know realize that there are multiple ways that this can be done or you know something like that it's there's I can't I, I, I cannot put into words the difference in my the mental side for me after completing a residency compared to when I first graduated and that was after doing six straight months of clinic rotations in the orthopedic setting. You know, so I had a good, I had a, I think I had a solid foundation, you know, after doing those. And then, you know, that next year of, of residency just completely accelerated that thought process. Yeah. It, it creates a thought process that you, you, you can't, you can't get on your own. You can't learn that on your own. And, and for me, one of the biggest things that I learned from the residency was honestly just how to talk to patients. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of things fresh out of school that struggle with communicating to, to patients um, that you all, that there would be a mentor there to kind of pick you up when you were slipping and you kind of pick up things that they say that really resonate with patients. Um, but that was one of the biggest things that I learned was actually just how to communicate with mm. patients. Can you, can you give like an example of, uh, like you said, like cues or, or, or verbiage that your mentor would use? Was do you, can you think of an example that, that you experienced? Uh, so for me in particular, I just remember a lot of, um, patients with, uh, with chronic pain or tendinopathies explaining why we're doing what we're doing, um, and why, you know, why this might feel this specific way, um, and how that's benefiting the patient, um, things like that, that, that fresh out of school, you, you, you just don't know how to say, um, I don't think. I think, I think, you know, just to piggyback on that, you know, listening, uh, to, to ways to kind of dumb things down, you know, instead of talking about your, you know, facet arthropathy, you know, saying like, yeah, you got this, there's this little joint in your back that kind of, you know, it articulates kind of like a knee does. It just slides back and forth on each other. And what we need to do is get that moving in order to kind of free up the capsule a little bit to allow it to move better. And then that helps with, you know, calming down the nervous system and then, uh, then your muscles respond better. You know, just something very simple that a person can be like, Oh, well, I totally understand that. Instead of us, you know, talking about the L four five nerve root and how it's getting pinched and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah. Something uh, as simple as, following a, a manual treatment up with some exercise for someone that either a doesn't want to exercise b doesn't understand why you're doing that specific exercise you know uh, one thing that 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 um our mentor would say was you know we, we 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 did this manual treatment to kind of prime your nervous system now we have to complete the loop we have to let these muscles work uh in in either their new range of motion or whatever so that the brain understands how to use it if we don't do that we're, we're not completing the loop and, and you're not getting as much benefit out of this uh, that would have been something I would have never said to a patient. Like, yeah, we're going to go do exercises now because <laughs> we have to strengthen those muscles. You know, that's that's just way different. Because Stone um, said so. We're <laughs> <laughs> like a patient that um, is, let's say, they have neck pain after they're sitting for. 20 minutes, and they don't understand why looking down at their computer for 20 mm-hmm. minutes increases their, their neck pain or whatever. Um, you know, something, a simple analogy like, you know, bending your finger back um, to end range. That's comfortable for a while, but if you keep it there for 20 minutes, it doesn't feel great. Right now, for that patient, what normally you could keep your finger bent back for an hour is 20 minutes just because your nervous system is more sensitive to that position. You know, and even pulling the patient's finger back and showing them that, hey, like, this is okay right now, but if I hold this there for a while, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't mean something's hurt or damaged. It just means that your nervous system doesn't like that because you're at end range. Gotcha. That's a, I, I like that example, Justin. That's a really good example. I'm going to steal that because even though you're not my mentor, you're kind of my mentor. Um, <laughs> I had the, I had the same mentor as Justin, and I never got that one. So I'm wondering what I did wrong. <laughs> you you must not have had somebody that uh, hunched over with their neck for 20 minutes at a time. 
Right. Um, I haven't seen any of those. <laughs> okay. So we had the same mentor. You probably remember one, uh, the, the grip, um, why muscles yeah. function different in different positions. You know, if you have someone grip your hand with a normal handshake and then bring the wrist into significant wrist flexion and have them grip again, it's much weaker. So you can help teach a patient why changing joint position um, and mobilizing a joint can help improve the function of a muscle. Just huh. something as basic as that, like just changing the angles that, you know, something you would never, ever think about. Like that is, you, you can't learn those things from reading an article. You can't learn those things from, you know, t- watching a YouTube video. That's just something that you, you know, being in person, having a mentor that you are exposed to, uh, you know, that particular opportunity for him to mention something like that. It's, I think it's just, you know, those, yeah. those just little things like that, that you pick up, you know, we spent, um, what was it? Four hours a week with our mentor for an entire year. Uh, and you can imagine how many different patients that, you know, equals out to, um, it's 208, 208 hours. Did I do the math yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we, and then we had, I think, uh, Justin, what was your, what was your tally at the end of residency? 370 some brand new patients. Yeah. I think it was something like that. Mine was like 368. And the, and you know, we're talking, these are just the patients like during residency time. Wow. That's yeah. So, you, you know, when you're looking at something like that, uh, I mean, you know, and that's you have, just treatment that we're talking about. I mean, there's you know a thousand other things that we learned just from uh, evaluating side by side with our mentor, or taking a you know 15 minute conversation at the end of your you know your 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 residency mentorship period, you know before you continue with your patients for the rest of the day, being able to sit there and talk about them, you know with uh, and and then the con ed classes. I mean, there's just it's just an opportunity for you know, significant exposure to so much more than what you already received in PT school. Yeah. So you guys are, you're mentioning like a lot of components of like the residency that you guys went through, um, like teaching time and the Con Ed courses. Can you speak maybe a little bit about um, the Vompti residency and like what it is and what it's comprised of? So, um, like Nick said, we had four hours a week, uh, one-on-one mentorship, um, with patients that we selected to be during that time. Um, typically we would have, we would have an evaluation or two, uh, along with, you know, maybe four or five other patients in that period of time that we would see with our mentor. Um, that was clinic time. And then we had six weekend core classes. Um, that consisted of um, all the joints, um, spine, uh, neurodynamics, uh, medical exercise training, um, manipulation, uh, pain, pain science. Um, and then we had, I don't know, probably what, what Nick, six or seven, eight, maybe uh, additional weekend courses that were. Um, I think we had, I think we had like 16 total or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we oh, also wow. had um, monthly journal clubs, uh, monthly case discussions, um, individual case reports or case yeah. presentations. We had to present at our uh, 
you know, the orthopedics classes that we took over that six six month period. We had to present a case. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was basically if if you look at it, it's a fourth year PT school. And I think what what made what makes Fompty different is well, all the mentors are pretty much fellows, and also um, it's very eclectic. Like you don't get one one specific route of physical therapy. You're not you're not getting purely Maitland. You're not getting purely McKenzie or um, you know we had people. For, our mentors were from you know had backgrounds from Naom, um, you know Maitland. Uh, Norwegians, people had spent significant time with Michael Shacklock and you know learning neurodynamics. Um, it, it was it was just a variety. We we didn't get a specific you know do it this way only. There's other ways to do it, and, and that's what we were taught, which was very nice. You're kind of you're exposed to so many different you know learning processes or styles of physical therapy, or uh, you know there was it really kind of it forced you to not just think one way. Mm-hmm. It was, and you guys know this from from being with um, you know Aaron and AJ, um, you know looking at the kind of the the base model that we were given in terms of musculoskeletal was you know fairly consistent with Maitland, and uh, I think that you know being being able to to look at some things you know from different perspectives that uh, there's there's no way I would have done that had I not gone to residency and it kind of, you know, kind of been exposed to it. Cause I would have just been like, Oh, what Aaron and AJ said was that's law. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even though those two are, uh, part of the residency instruction staff from Vomti, um, you know, it was nice to have those guys to reinforce what you've already learned, but then to expose you to other things and say, well, you know, there are other ways to go about this also. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's really valuable uh, to have those, yeah. those that eclectic experience because you know uh, very rarely is 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 it you know one way uh, fits all you know and so to see to see different different ways of looking at things and kind of like opening up perspectives changing paradigms maybe um, even uh, is good for growth in general um, and then just just recognizing that there are. Uh, like what more than one way to skin a cat it's such a strange like reference who 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 in the right mind is like is skinning cats i don't understand schrodinger wait you haven't done that jake, jake manley what yeah. <laughs> i go i go uh, front to back <laughs> is that That's how you is that not not right no that is absolutely correct that's the most <laughs> That's the most sanitary way to do it. Ah, yes, I see, I see. <laughs> but I don't know. Just, it just those phrases just don't make sense. Like we we talked on our on our research podcast about like peeling eyeballs, like keep your eyes peeled, and like just like, like who is coming up with these ideas and who is coming up with like these like these phrases? How did they become like common? <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of um of skin and cats, uh, have you guys ever seen that? Uh, picture of how to skin a rabbit without using like a knife no no i'll just send that to you um i saw it on reddit one time and it's one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen it's literally like a cartoon graphic of this guy like swinging a rabbit around in a circle and then like through his legs and basically the the premise of the 
pictures to you know you use centrifugal force and gravity to like let the meat and bones of the rabbit just shoot out of the skin. Um, yeah. it's, I feel like that would take a lot of swinging. Yeah, yeah I'm seriously. Gonna, I'm gonna give you the picture just so there's context because that I feel like. It, I kind of gave off like a serial killer vibe there when I was describing yeah, it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> If we didn't know you, it would be that would have been a weird comment to bring up. Sorry, uh, listeners. Um, it's just we're, like since- we're talking about the, you know, how to skin cats. Skin and things. I promise. I promise. He is very, very lovable. Very good, very Christian man. It's it's okay. All right, ready, dude. Here's yeah, a here's yeah. a link to theartofmanliness.com, which is uh, one of the websites that I uh, run. Um, but you, this is your website that this was on. Yeah, something like that. Just click the link and like reference the picture so you know that I'm not making this up. Where are you writing? I don't even. Oh, see go that. to the ZenCaster page. Dressing a rabbit without a knife. Okay. I told you it's like the most re- – it's a very ridiculous cartoon graphic. This, this this graphic looks like something you would prescribe <laughs> in like old therapeutic exercise like sheets. It's like what bone setters did back in the day. This, this is the most archaic form of a kettlebell swing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so functional though. It's so functional. Because Look at that hip flexion. You're exercising and you're getting uh, your your nutrition at the same time. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you're fueling your wow. gains with protein instantly. All the gains. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that this rabbit is is no longer with us at the time of said swinging. Is it? Is this going to be our Instagram graphic for the the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, good lord! Just add your podcast logo. <laughs> you just put the little, the little like kettlebell guy circle in the corner. <laughs> do we do we use this as some sort of? Is this? Would you, uh, having gone through an orthopedic residency, um, is this more of a neurodynamic technique, or is this more of like a, a joint mobilization? This has got to be more neurodynamic. For the for the guy or for the rabbit? <laughs> for the guy. <laughs> is, is, is it a myofascial release technique? Yeah, no, look at all the adhesions that they're breaking with this technique. On the rabbit? Yes. On the rabbit, it's myofascial. But on the guy, on the guy it's, it's, it's kind of like the bottom of a slump test. Oh, okay, yeah, we're talking about the guy, all right. Yeah, yeah, Is the bear? <laughs> is the guy? <laughs> The troopers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, whatever it is, it's illegal. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was a very interesting rabbit, rabbit hole, hole that we just went down. Yes. It's like how we, we knew that we were gonna it was gonna happen like that. Mm-hmm. I tried to say it at the same time as you. That was beautiful. Um, okay, so so my internet cut out for a second there, um, and I came back in. At a different time there. And so I'm not entirely sure where we are in the show because when I came back in, we were talking about skinning cats and rabbits. So, um, so Jake, what is our next question? Uh, well, Mike, now you know what it's like to be me going into a podcast. Because um, <laughs> you work so hard to put these templates together and I 
I feel like I never have time to read them. Uh, <laughs> and so I just wing it, but no, we just to kind of recap, um, they kind of filled, filled us in on, uh, what the Vomti residency is comprised of. So right. all the different coursework that they had to do, um, the case studies that they had to present, the mentorship time that they got, you know, just kind of all that helping out at Shenandoah as like adjunct, uh, like professors and lab courses. Um, all that kind of thing. Awesome. Uh, so, okay. but so obviously like Mike and I kind of have a idea, but how did you guys get exposed to Vomti and why did you choose Vomti over different residencies like EIM or, um, maybe like a, a different course series across the country? For, for me, it was the amount of in-person uh, time that you get. You know, some of the, There are several residency programs that are more online-based mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, in terms of classes, in terms of mentorship, and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, from my experience with my CI, who was an uh, evidence in motion uh, residency and fellowship instructor, um, people would come to him that were involved in the program and they would have to, uh, you know, schedule like a vacation day from their work and they would drive to where he was located at our clinic in Christiansburg. Um, we had a guy who was a fellowship candidate from the university of North Carolina. He was a PT at the university of North Carolina and every, it was like every Wednesday for like five or six weeks, he would have to take a vacation day and drive up to Christiansburg, Virginia to be with my CI for the entire day. Um, and then the most of the coursework was done online. So he was kind of, you know, isolated to himself. He obviously had peers at work that he could discuss things with. But uh, for us, we were part of a residency cohort that was six people and we were in constant communication. We had a text a text message thread. We had an email thread. Uh, we were friends on Facebook. We were sharing Google docs. We were constantly in communication. Uh, but then we would see each other at all of these con ed courses that we're talking about, whether it was the, you know, the Vomti, uh, you know, course uh, that we took that was six months long or the other con eds that we went to, you know, we stayed at each, you know, each other's houses when, when we were in each other's, you know, close to each other's locations. And um, for me, that was, that was, you know, what made Vomti better was that it was so much more interactive. It was so much more like being a part of this group. You were exposed to things in person rather than just online. And then you had that mentorship every single week uh, for an entire year. Uh, and I granted, I'm, I've only been, you know, that was, that's, you know, EIM is only one example, but I know there are others out there that were similar to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what, you know, led me to Vompty most. Cool. So it's almost like, uh, some of the similar experiences that drew you into Shenandoah University were some of the experiences that drew you into Vomti. You know, you talk a lot about the uh, the relationship building and and like being in a in a family in a close knit family. Um, yep. It's that social aspect of it too. That's that's very cool. And it's you know that's not Vomti's not the I don't want to put this out there that you know that's the only residency that does that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's several residency programs available throughout the. Uh, you know, throughout the country that I'm, I'm sure have similarities to that, but that was, that's what was important to me. And that's why I chose Bompty. Cool. What are your, what are your perspectives, Justin? 
Yeah, I mean, I would pretty much just second everything Nick said. Um, I, I think uh, for anyone that's thinking about residency or like what residency program to choose, um, I think choosing one that 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 fits your learning style. I mean, like Nick said, I mean, there's there's a lot of other residencies that consist of online and in class learning and like e mentoring versus face to face mentoring. I think. You know, depending on your learning style, that might be better for you. Um, but but for for Nick and myself, certainly um, a small a small group uh, of our, our classmates uh, in the residency and and uh, you know a very small number of mentors. I mean, the ratio of mentors to students, there was more mentors than students, which is the opposite in in many other residencies. Um, you know, so for us. We, we, we worked 44 hours a week where other residencies only require 34 hours, um, and that includes your residency time. And mm -hmm. so that's an advantage to other ones, but it's just all in what you want. Um, mm -hmm. And pricing is another thing. I mean, uh, Vompti was on the lower side of, of um, cost, which I think for what you get is much, much better. Um, other places are very, very expensive. But I think, you know, when choosing a program, it's honestly whatever fits your learning style better. Hmm. So it'd be prudent to, to kind of do your research and, and figure out, you know, research in, in, into yourself to figure out like what, how you learn the best and then also look into different programs uh, to figure Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And, and the mentors, I mean, uh, learn from someone that you want to learn from. Hmm. You, know, you, you you have that option. Look, look at who your mentors may be and, and base your decision off of that. That's, that's, that's really profound advice. Learn from someone that you want to learn from. I like that. That's the basis of what a residency is. It's not, it's not PT school where you're just happy that you got in and these are your professors deal with it. Mm -hmm. you, know, you have an opportunity here to be selective. Yeah. You can go literally and go anywhere you want. You can, you can work with whoever you want that is involved in a residency. And, you know, it's about making, it's about making decisions, it's about making your career, not just who they want you to be, hmm. but it's about exposing yourself to things that are going to determine, you know, who you are going to be. Would you, would you say that um, residency programs that are looking for candidates are looking for individuals who kind of, kind of know what they're looking for or have done their research and are kind of like, you know, really tuned in and, and driven to what they want to get out of the experience? I think it can go either way. Um, I mean, if you know that you want to do a residency, obviously that helps you with, you know, having some, some passions and some ideas to talk about in your interviews, mm -hmm. uh, things that are going to make it a little bit more believable. If you go into an interview and you're just like, I don't know, residency sounds like a good idea. And you don't really have, you know what I mean? It sounds like the next step, yeah. That's not, that's not going to go over as well. <laughs> That makes a ton of sense. And, and kind of pig, piggytailing off of that, pigtailing, piggytailing, dovetailing, <laughs> some kind of tail off of this. Rab um, rabbit tailing. Rabbit tailing, yeah. yeah. Wait, <laughs> is this before the swing or after the swing? Oh, Jesus. This is, well, I don't know. It depends on who you learn from. <laughs> <laughs> if we're doing a more McKenzie-based approach, you're going to want to do a lot of extension-based preferential movement. Right. Um, but, you know, with Maitland, we might try to identify the intensity of that myofascial release um, and maybe see if it resolves itself within a shorter time span. 
Um, we should use the Vicon motion analysis system. Yes, I mean, we're supposed <laughs> to use, you're supposed to use what, like 40 points and we have eight? Right. <laughs> uh, one of the sad, the, the few downsides to Shenandoah University, we only have eight motion capture cameras. <laughs> Compare that with most of your other programs that have approximately zero. That's uh... That is true. Eight is greater than zero. <laughs> it's just science. <laughs> but, I, but I digress. Speaking of science, I saw this post on Reddit today, and it was a picture of a kid at a science fair, and his project was titled, How Much Sawdust Can You Put in Rice Krispie Treats Before People Notice? <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude! But, but, but really, how 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 much? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I would have had to have actually read the, his poster board. There was a lot of informative um, middle school like cutouts of conclusion, problem, methods, variables. Um, didn't didn't hypothesis? Yeah, hypothesis. Too. Yeah. Didn't didn't Subway get in trouble for putting like sawdust or something in their like bread? Wasn't that a thing? I think that was Taco Bell because they were using horse meat or something. Like oh, that. Uh, <laughs> I remember. I remember one time going into a Taco Bell and they had legally had to put a, a disclaimer on the on the counter and it said that like it was addressing the concerns that their their meat was only like thirteen percent beef. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh my! <laughs> it didn't deter me from eating their food, but it was it was quite funny. Well, I feel like if you walk into Taco Bell, you you've already committed. That's a good point. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's no going back. And then, if you ever have you ever watched them make tacos at Taco Bell? No, I don't think so. There's literally there's literally a hose of of meat, and they just like pull the hose down, and it squirts taco meat. Oh. Yeah. They do have that little tray that's like a zigzag, though, so you can stand up like multiple soft taco, soft tortillas at once. Yes. You could load like four tacos on there and then just use that little hose and just. Yeah. No, I mean they're they're innovators. That is a that is a company of innovators. They think. I would love to have one of those taco stands. In my they think house. outside the button. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, are you guys getting paid by Taco Bell? Is that... uh, uh, yeah, we're <laughs> legally required to read a disclaimer at the end of our podcast now. Um, for all of our sponsors. Taco oh, Bell, man. Anytime Fitness, um, some others that we can't actually mention on this podcast. Um, oh my gosh. Subway. <laughs> Subway. Yeah. You say Subway, yeah. The bread is not sawdust. No, it's not. It's delicious. Yes. There's there's one sponsor I really want to mention right now, but I'm not going to. No, legally, we can't do that one quite yet. We have to wait till February. It's not official. (laughs) We're going to do the Valentine's Day reveal. (laughs) Um, So anyways, uh, what was the question I was going to ask? Oh, so for those people that are interested in doing a residency, um, can you guys talk about like the time commitments that were involved? Because I know you mentioned you specifically worked 44 hours a week. 
Um, it had some, a lot of, like, obviously a lot of responsibilities and things you had to, to juggle. Um, what was it like? Did you have free time? Did you have to take work home with you? Um, and was it worth it? Well, we both took work home with us, but um, I don't know if that was just the location of work or if that was a combination of location of work and residency. Uh, but I think that the biggest things were the commitments to the weekend courses and then not just I mean, you come home as, as a PT, it's a, it's a given. I don't think any of us are going to go through an entire career without having to take some notes home at some point in time. Um, and, uh, but the, the difference for residency was the outside assignments. You know, there were extra articles to read or journal clubs to participate in, or um, discussion board posts that had to be read uh, and responded to, or um, you know the the other projects that we had mentioned with uh, a case study, or um, you know presenting for the journal club, prep forms for for mentorship. Oh, that too. I forgot about those somehow. <laughs> I blocked those out of my memory. I think. <laughs> So how did you guys how did you guys manage that? Obviously that's a big time commitment. Did you have like any strategies for time management or like stress relief or anything like that? I think I, I don't know that Justin and I are the best uh, the best people to to discuss those things because since we both decided that we were going to get married during residency, that was, uh, that, was a, that was a genius idea looking back on it. Um, <laughs> Now I think the you know it's 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 finding a perspective it's finding a balance um, you know the way my wife and I looked at this was this was you know an, an idea that it was a passion that I had that I had had it was something that I wanted to do that was going to set me up for you know developing the career my career the way I want to rather than just taking a job and kind of seeing what happens. Um, and then it was, we treated it like a fourth year of PT school, you know, understanding what the time commitment was in PT school, understanding the sacrifices that had to be made in terms of spending family time or spending study time or, or going out with friends. Um, you know, for me, it was, that's the way I looked at it. Just treat it like an extra, you know, fourth year of PT school. I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to get through this. There's going to be some stressful times. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to have, a you know, a wife, a fiance at the time who was incredibly understanding and knew that this was, you know, something I wanted to pursue that was going to be, you know, the best situation for you know, my career moving forward, therefore the best situation for family. Hmm. Uh, you know, those are not things that, you know, every single person is going to have to consider. Uh, I, um, Justin, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that side of it? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much exactly what you just said um, for me as well. Um, it was essentially treated as another year of PT school, and um, you know that's that's what what it was. Um, you know, as far as time commitment goes and everything, um, I think for for you and I, it might have been a little different because uh, you know there's plenty of times that we were overwhelmed and lost focus. But um, going through residency together, you know, with close friend. It made the process a little bit different. You know, you, for you and I, we could almost make humor of situations that maybe weren't 
weren't the most humorous. Um, but, um, you know, going through it together was certainly an advantage that some people don't have. I think it's important to have someone that's close to you. Um, it'd be great if they were going through residency also, or just someone that you can share ideas with that's going through the exact same situation as you mm. um, to help you cope with those things. I mean, for you and I, we got married like weeks apart. We were going through the exact same thing at the exact same time, Not too which was beneficial for both of us. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like a lot of what you guys just said um, and, and what you just said about treating it as like a, a fourth year of PT school. You know, you kind of set the expectations before going in um, with an understanding that you're going to have another huge time commitment going in. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, yeah. for, I mean, you can do anything for a year. Hmm. Yeah. Or four years. <laughs> or four <laughs> or, or everything for a year, just multiple years in a row. <laughs> so you're saying yeah. I should bend my finger back for a year? Yes. If you want to um, develop uh, your nervous system's ability to tolerate that position, yes. You should swing your rabbit through your legs for you. <laughs> Dude, my hips would get so much thicker than they already are. My squat would probably go up by like 400 pounds. At least. Oh, wait. Sorry, sorry. 400 grams. I was off by a unit or two. (laughs) You talked about uh, uh, losing focus um, or like feeling overwhelmed. I think... uh, one thing for for me, uh, I try to get away on the weekends, the weekends that we had free, and do a little uh, nature bathing. <laughs> Apparently, that's good for you. Is 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 this uh, like when you walk around? I heard that on a podcast. This is where you walk around barefoot and like stick your feet in the soil. <laughs> no, it's just go oh, for okay. a hike and be in the nature. <clears throat> you actually bathe with nature. But but then take a bar of soap with you and find a river. But instead of using like a. Um, like what are those? What are those fluffy things called? Loofa. Yeah. Instead of using a loofah, Justin just put soap on a rock and and washed himself with a like rock. a like a pumice pumice like stone. Dry moss. <laughs> kind yeah. of. Kind of. Yeah. Exfoliating. Right. <laughs> Sticks and twigs and like leaves. Just nature's yeah. loofah. Which yeah. you know, like that, like that, like that scene in Terminator when he just covers himself in mud. And just That's lays predator. There. Yeah. Uh, yeah, predator. Sorry. Same guy. Same yeah. guy. Basically That's the what... same movie, just slightly different right. plot. <laughs> That's what That's what Justin would do. No, but aren't loofahs technically the loofahs of nature because they are sponges from the sea? I don't think that most loofahs are actually made with real sponge. I think they're. I think they're synthetic. Yeah. My whole life. If they're available at Walmart for $1, they're probably not from the sea. <laughs> I've been lied to for so long. Yeah. It's okay. Everything I thought I knew has just been flipped upside down. Well, hey, you're welcome. That's what, res- that's what residency will do to you. Yeah. Just my whole world. <laughs> Did you guys take just... the red pill or the blue pill when you started your residency program? I don't remember. I like the color blue. Nick likes the color red. I don't, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just shotgun them both and just like hope for the best. 
what would Morpheus do in that situation? He's just like, you can choose the red or the blue. And you just like, before he could finish, grabbed both. Why not both? Just, yeah. What did would that not? like, I don't know what that would do to you. I feel like that would create a rift in like the space time continuum and there would be a wormhole, not a rabbit hole where you once existed. Or, or they're both just a placebo and ultimately the decision was within your own head. Whoa. <laughs> that's, that's, just like a, that's like an M. Night Shyamalan yeah, movie twist. What? Right. But it's what like, it's also like a Aaron and AJ, um, Thoracic manipulation study. (laughs) Should we link that paper in our show notes, Mike? Yeah, we definitely should. I'll make a note for it. Um. (laughs) So, anyways, back to uh, things we we wanted to talk about. Um, Mike, where are we? Help me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So we, we've we've talked we've talked a lot about very many things rabbit um, rabbits and and pop culture and sometimes yeah pop culture and maybe a little bit about the OCS too occasionally which has ooh, been good. Ooh, speaking of the OCS, I have a question for you guys. So I know that you obviously uh, have strong feelings for residencies, but what are your thoughts on? Like and like, well, I guess what would be the best path for someone to take if they knew they didn't want to do a residency, but they knew they wanted to acquire an OCS? And you can't uh, say just do a residency. Be... It's an unacceptable answer. That's not an acceptable answer. So, like in a, in a case where you someone has ruled out a residency, because I'm basically talking about myself here. Um, <laughs> I know that at this time in my life, I don't know that I want to do a residency at least right now but i am interested in pursuing an ocs so what advice or like what course recommendations would you have for someone in my position you just need to expose yourself to as much as you can in terms of different body regions. I think that was the biggest thing about residency is kind of re going over the entire body uh, from head to toe, uh, looking at the, you know, the pain science, but a big piece of, from what we have learned uh, being up to date on current literature in terms of orthopedics uh, that has a lot more to do with OCS than it does with say your board exams or your, uh, you know, comprehensive exams while you're in PT school. Mm-hmm. You know, OCS is so much more specialized, just like any other, just like any other specialty exam that you would take, whether you're, you know, getting a, a sports specialty or a neuro specialty or uh, you know, anything like that. It's going to be more specific to that. Um, you know, be constantly reviewing literature. Be constantly, you know, trying to find different courses to take. Um, and that's another thing, not to keep plugging Vomti here, but their coursework was offered, uh, is offered to anybody. Even if you choose not to do a residency, you can still take their six-week course, which is basically an OCS prep course if you look at it from you know a, a broad perspective. Hmm. Uh, Justin, you, you mentioned something to me also. Isn't there something on MedBridge that's like an OCS prep type thing? 
Yes, I mean, MedRidge has a OCS prep course. Uh, EIM has a prep course. Um, I think just knowing the clinical practice guidelines and, you know, how that influences our standards of practice and using those to develop uh, a thought process and treatment strategies that are best for specific patients. I think if you can read through those things and integrate them into what you're doing um, and know them, that should kind of be like your next step as to, to where you go. You know, know them now, continue what you're doing, um, and then after you've seen enough patients to, to sit for the exam, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. That's some solid advice. All right. Well, I, I think interestingly enough, I probably will most likely be taking the VOMTI courses. Um, so, so it's worth it. I'm excited to mm -hmm. not really be a part of the brotherhood, but to also be a part of the brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you'll probably be more a part of the brotherhood than I am. So. <laughs> are, is that, are you making a sisterhood of the traveling pants reference? Uh, I, yeah, sure. It was more of an inside joke for Justin to understand. and <laughs> So in, in regards to uh, completing your residency and, and earning your OCS, how do you feel that's kind of like helped you grow your practice or, or what kind of doors do you think it opened for you guys? Well, we don't have our OCS yet. Ask us in July about okay. that. After completing your residency, let me rephrase the question. Strike that, <laughs> reverse it. So, so after completing your residency, how has completing your residency uh, helped grow your practice? What doors do you think it has opened for you? Uh, I mean, we're still pretty fresh out of our residency, but uh, I mean, for me, I think it opened opportunity for. Um, increased uh, responsibility and, and um, I think it also increased uh, my salary mm -hmm. that I, I don't think I would be getting a year out of school had I not gone through residency, mm -hmm. which probably doesn't happen for everybody, but I think for me it opened that opportunity for just because I was transitioning to a different job. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for me that's what, you know, at this point in time what, what going through residency offered me. Mm -hmm. I did. I did not get a salary increase. If that helps anything. Okay. <laughs> no, I think uh, for for me though, on on that side of things, I know f for me, looking towards the you know the future for you know where my wife and I are potentially relocating to, mm -hmm. my confidence in myself to be able to uh, you know vouch for a potential higher level of salary. I have more confidence going into that interview process and being able to answer those questions and defend myself mm -hmm. because I took a residency, because I, or because I did a residency, because I, I have spent that extra time. I know what that value is to me, and I have a lot more confidence being able to display that to potential future employers saying, hey, look, this is what I'm worth to me yeah, absolutely. based on doing this. This is what... This is how I value myself, and I want you to see me that way, and this is what I can do for you because I pursued this education. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah, Ben Fung talks about that. No, he's another podcaster, but it's like, you know, 
knowing your worth and, and, and being able to fight for that and, and help an employee understand that why you're worth this. I think going through residency helps, you know, Nick and I understand what we're worth hmm. in, in, in the PT community. hundred percent. That's great. That's, that's valuable. I love that. So question for you guys. Um, I know we've talked a lot about like the kind of the good side of the residency. I mean, some of the bad stuff too, like time management and all that, but um, how has a failure or a parent failure set you guys up for success? Was there anything that like you made just a big whoopsie on during uh, your residency that there really was like a big learning point for you guys? Uh, I caused the vertebral artery stroke. I'm just joking. That didn't happen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, 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 I was like, I didn't. I yeah. I didn't. So now I don't do cervical manips anymore. <laughs> Wait, are you still? I don't know if you're That's still totally serious or. I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> Jake, that never happened. Jake, this is that sense of humor thing you were talking about him not doing. <laughs> well, I opened the window, so thank you, Justin. <laughs> Uh, well, so uh, seriously, uh, well, one of, one of my biggest failures that I'm not really uh, proud of as far as in my PT career was um, I initially unknowingly went against a, um, a, a doctor's orders regarding a patient. Um, and then after realizing that I had gone against his orders, I uh, followed up with him because what I thought I thought what I was doing was was just perfectly fine, no big deal. Uh, and when I called him uh, and he said to stop doing that, I, I still saw like no reason not to based on the patient's presentation and whatnot. So I continued with my current plan of care, um, which totally ruined a relationship with the doctor. Hmm. Um, so after that, I to be fair, his plan of care was right on pace with what should been happening. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I. Still think that I wasn't in the wrong in doing what I was doing, but I was in the wrong uh, not uh, uh, listening to him, if that makes sense. Um, but I think through that, I learned how to communicate uh, better with physicians. And, um, you know, I feel like that kind of that experience opened other opportunities for me uh, regarding communication with physicians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you, you touched upon this uh, like earlier in the podcast too. Like one of the the main things that residencies taught you was was how to communicate effectively with with patients and that. And so you know, this experience, although uh, you know, kind of challenging and, and kind of was difficult with that relationship with that doctor, you know, ultimately taught you a lot of, about how to how to phrase certain things or, or communicate with with doctors moving forward. So that's awesome. Yeah. On the other side of that too, I think. Um, you know, one thing that I learned over residency, I was very fearful at first when we first started of, you know, if there were times that I thought like, hey, this isn't right or this is taking way too long to heal and I think this patient needs, you know, either further imaging or a consult with a physician or a consult with an orthopedic doc or, or, or something along those lines. And I was almost like, I was almost hesitant to bring it up. Mm. And, uh, you know, one thing that I learned through this residency was 
to kind of stand my ground and defend myself. There were a couple times that, uh, you know, in the opposite direction from what Justin was talking about, it was almost like, it was almost like fear of the result of Justin's experience where that doctor was like, you're wrong. And now I'm never, ever sending you a patient again, even though that didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like the fear of that happening that prevented me from being the advocate for my patient in the way that they needed. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, that's a favorite failure for me because you know, a lot of what we talk about in the PT world is advocating for our patients. And we talk about how we spend more time with them than any other medical professional. And, you know, we care about them to a different level and we are so much more invested. But then there's almost like, for me, it was like this, yeah, that's how I feel, but can I act on Mm -hmm. it? And I had a patient that I just took way too long to make a make a decision on and and when we when i finally um you know had kind of the the red flags kind of or i guess the yellow flags technically if you're talking pt terms when they jumped out at me to the point where i was like that's it i have to make this phone call and then i called the doc and i you know gave him my reasoning and i i gave him my uh you know my thoughts about why this needed to be looked at further and this something just doesn't sit right with me. And the doc was like, wow, I totally, I totally agree. I think you're, I think that's exactly right. I'm going to get this person in immediately. And we got them for their imaging and it ultimately led to a surgical intervention mm. that you know, was exactly what that patient needed. Mm. And it, it kind of, you know, that taught me that like, Oh wow. I kind of, you know, I, I do know what I'm talking about. Mm. I just have to have the courage to be able to step up for this patient. And I have been able to do that sooner since having that, you know, that kind of failure where I, I didn't, I didn't speak up when I should have, or as soon as I should have. Yeah. Gosh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's another thing that we've learned uh, in residency too, is understanding who we, who we can't treat sooner. You know, coming out of school, I thought everyone, could get better from PT uh, regardless of what the diagnosis was. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we even had a whole journal club on, you know, referring people out sooner that you know are not going to benefit from PT. Right. Um, on either what the literature says or what you know from your, your clinical experience, you know, instead of wasting that patient's time and money and seeing them for three months and being no different, knowing within three visits that, hey, this isn't going to work, you need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things that we learned from residency, too. Yeah. You, you kind of, like, optimize your, your efficiency and your ability to refer to other healthcare professionals. Again, because caring for the patient, and, and not just for their health, but also them as a whole, you know, they're, if they're spending money to see you every time, um, they're investing their money in you. Uh, don't don't um, disappoint them by letting them come see you for way longer than, than you know is necessary. Yeah. And that's not just people that aren't physically fit for PT. It's also people who aren't psychologically fit for PT. And that was, you know, one thing that we learned was, um, you know, there are some people that you are going to have to have that confrontational discussion with, but Hey, listen, if you don't do these exercises, you are not going to get better and you're wasting my time. You're wasting your time. And it's not valuable for you, so we need to figure out a better opportunity for you, something different. Hmm. And that is one discussion that I never, ever would have been able to have had I not – well, maybe not ever. But that I would not have been able to 
you know, learn as how to have as efficiently had I not done a residency. You know, being able to confront that person who says, you know, I'm, I'm too tired to do exercise or I don't think exercise is helping. I just want your hands-on care. I just want you to touch me and make me better. Uh, being able to say no to that. Uh, being able to say, look, this is all part of a process. This is, it's not just me, you know, taking care of you. It's about you learning how to be able to take care of yourself so that ultimately you don't need physical therapy anymore. Hmm. Wow. That was, that was an answer. Yeah. I think that rice one's kicking in again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have some of this rice one. Um, I wonder how much better I could have answered your questions had I had some of that. Well, I mean, the bourbon no, you're is... drinking is probably much better than the $4 <laughs> carbonated 6% rice wine that I'm drinking. Um, <laughs> no, this has been great. And I think, I think uh, we're running near the end of our show here. Um, and, and so we really want to thank you guys to, for taking the time. But there is one question that we always ask all of our guests that come on the show. Um, and so, you know, we here at the Movement Docs, we believe in always moving forward in all that you do. So based on all of your previous experience and knowledge and life, love, the pursuit of happiness, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone listening to this show to help them be the best versions of themselves? Let's have uh, Justin go first. Uh, okay. Um, so, um, from a, uh, I don't know if you, any of you guys watch, uh, it's a, well, there's a YouTube channel. I don't remember the dude's name, but it's, um, the show's called like IQ inside quest. Uh, one of the guys that was on there, he talked about, um, how hard work alone does not make you a successful person. Um, and he was referencing, um, uh, Bill Gates, I believe, when he was talking about this, but he said that, um, you know, if, if that were true, a construction worker would be the wealthiest person in the world, but, you know, they're not. Um, he, he said that conscientiousness um, makes someone successful, and conscientiousness was make, made up of, I believe, four parts, um, one of them being diligence or hard work, mm-hmm. So that's only 25% of the equation for success. You know, the other pieces were um, perfectionism, uh, organization, and um, uh, prudence, hmm. which, uh, you know, is kind of the most important one, which is the ability to make the right decision. Um, not sure how you... Um, can be taught that. I think that's something that you just learn how to do. But the ability to make the right decision along with diligence, perfectionism, and organization uh, will make you a successful person. I love that. Yeah, it's just more than, than grinding really hard. You have, you have to have those aspects of, of what you just described. And that's really, I love that. There has to be a purpose to your grind. Mm-hmm. can't just grind. <laughs> well, you, you can, but... Hard. Eventually, you have to jump off of the rail, unless you're really, really good at balancing. Like Rob Dudek. Yeah. Dude, I don't, I don't know though. I feel, I still feel like Rodney Mullen's probably my favorite skater of all time. That guy did some insane stuff on a skateboard. He used to do a, he used to do the Christ Air trick. That was like my favorite trick ever. Although, if you're gonna talk. 
Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the original. The, Bucky the Lasik. Bucky Lasik and the kick kickflip move twist. Yes. That was that was my go-to. Yeah. <laughs> you know he has his own he has his own burrito place, right? Does he really? What? It's called Bucky's Burritos. It's like it's like a Chipotle, but it's it's got like a a skateboard theme. Huh. Where where is this magical place? I went to one, I think, when I lived in New Hampshire. All right. It's amazing. Look it up. Google it. I have to look into that. Mike, we'll have to put that in your reference. We'll have list to put that on our vision board. <laughs> Bucky's burritos. There you go. Definitely gonna have to put that on our vision board. <laughs> All right. All right. What are, what are your insights, Nick? How do how do we become the best people? You have you have to be true to yourself. Um. That's one thing that I have learned a lot about in the last year uh, while within, you know, based on, you know, what I came out of PT school with in terms of knowledge and education, um, you know, I can't, can't thank everyone at Shenandoah enough for that. But um, one thing that it took, you know, my, my work in physical therapy, my clinic rotations, my my clinical experience, my, my job, my residency, uh, you know, looking back to, you know, the people that have supported me the most, um, those are the people ultimately that you have to be, uh, you know, concerned about their, their opinions and their thoughts of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are a lot of ups and downs. There are a lot of struggles. There are a lot of, you know, questions that you're going to have a lot of, a lot of, you know, self-reflection, a lot of self-doubt, you know, especially if you do something like a residency, that's just kind of, you know, that's the, that's, it's a blessing and a curse in our profession that everything that we do, you can always look at it and say, could I have done this better? Mm -hmm. uh, you can look at that in a positive way, or you can look at that in a negative way. And I think as, Something that I have learned, you have to somehow find an internal peace. You have to somehow find a way to be true to yourself and the people that are in your life that mean the most to you. Uh, for me in particular, that's, you know, my wife, that's my, my best friends, that's, you know, the people that have been supportive of me. I'm a very faith-based person. Um, and, you know, so that has been a paramount piece in my life as well. Um, that's, you know, doesn't have to be for everybody, but... If you can, if you can figure out a way to be happy for yourself and make those who are the most important people in your life happy with what you have done, you know, the rest of it is, well, you know, it, you have to just keep it in perspective because you're going to have those, like we talked about, you're going to have those patients that, um, that don't get better. You're going to have those patients that you can't figure out. And as many people as Justin and I have talked about that we have seen, the ones that stick out the most to me, the most memorable ones to me were the ones that, that I did not make better, that I could not help, mm. uh, rather than the you know hundreds of people that I actually made a difference for in a positive light. And so if you can keep that in perspective, be true to yourself and make sure that you are at peace with who you are and who your, you know, your family and your loved ones think you are, uh, then, you know, the rest of it will take care of itself eventually. Mm -hmm.
Gosh, dude, I love it when you talk. <laughs> are you are you drinking rice wine too, Justin? Do you have the same chills that I have? <laughs> I got chills, but I'm not drinking white rice wine. Okay. <laughs> He's drinking birch beer. I do love me some birch beer. Actually, yes. <laughs> oh man. We should do we just do we just hit end there? Like that was, that was beautiful. Well, well, just in case, you know, like that was like a beautiful ending. (laughs) 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 Well, (laughs) oh my gosh. All right. (laughs) So Nick, (laughs) Justin, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on our show today. If uh, anyone's listening to the show that wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way they can do that? Email. Okay. So what is your email, Justin? <laughs> oh yeah, okay, that'd be good. Yeah. It's uh Justin the letter S Bittner at gmail How do you spell Bittner? Oh yeah, okay. So there's two T's. It's B I T T N E R. So Justin S Bittner at gmail.com. Perfect. Yes. All right, and Nick? Uh, if you could look me up on MySpace, that would be. <laughs> Dude, how many do you do you still have a top eight, or is it like a top twenty four now? Is it top sixty four now? What's, I think I got up to like a top. Oh, okay. that's the last. The last. And this uh, this will put some perspective in you. I think the last time I looked at my MySpace page, the song that I had on there was Paul Wall Grills. Oh man! Oh nice! Oh, that is yeah. a that's a throwback. I thought the Mike yeah. Jones reference I made a couple weeks back was good. No. Nelly, Paul. Yes. No. I still have his number memorized. That's really bad. <laughs> uh, my email is nhoover at su.edu. Perfect. nhoover at su.edu. Perfect. All right. No numbers because I'm an OG. I've been around since 06. So no numbers. Just Ann Hoover. Just Ann Hoover. Yeah. Perfect. And if that doesn't work, MSN Messenger should should be able to get a hold of them on there. What's your What's your aim? What's your AIM, Justin, Justin and Nick? Do you guys still use that? Yeah. MC Nick09. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys want the link to my, uh, my Zenga page? Did, did, yeah, anyone ever, did anyone else other than me have a Zenga page? Do you remember that? No, okay. I, don't, no I don't know. I don't, like a, never mind. Dude, I don't know what that is. There's going to be like one person <laughs> that listens to the show that, that knows what that is. It's like a really bad version. It was like the <laughs> much less version of MySpace when MySpace was a thing. It's called Zenga. It was like the alternative <laughs> social media. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. We're gonna to have to put a link to that in the show notes, too, to, just for anybody that's curious. That's still a thing. We'll figure it out. Just yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for tuning in this week, where we spoke to doctors Justin Bittner and Nick Hoover. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email at tmdmovementdocs at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks guys. guys. Love you. Love you too, bye. Always have. I'm give you an air hug. <laughs> I'm, I'm receiving oh, it right now.
It's so warm. Justin, check your spam folder. 